This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. We have such a treat for you today. So if you don't know, If Gathering is right around the corner, y'all. It is happening March 5th and 6th, and you do not want to miss it. I can't believe it is so close. And so what we wanted to do today was to go back and listen to some of our favorite moments from If Gathering last year. We're going to hear from Bianca Oltoff, Jada Edwards, and Sadie Robertson. You guys, this event is one of my favorite things that I get to be a part of. And this year, we're going to be coming together in Dallas, and we're going to be live streaming to all of you in your places. So if you have not signed up yet, you do not want to miss this. In fact, it's shaping up to be my favorite If Gathering ever. So if 2021 is happening, we are coming to you live from Dallas, Texas, virtually. And we want you to grab your digital passes and grab your people and meet your living rooms in safe ways outdoors. You can put it up on a screen somewhere. Be creative. And what we're going to talk about is even if, even if the worst happens, even if it continues to get darker in the world, even if it continues to be difficult, we don't lose hope. And honestly, all of us are craving hope. We need hope. And for some of you, you are going to be sending out a lifeline through this. You need to be with your people and you need to remember that God is in control and that there is a plan. He has not turned his back on us, that there is a story that we get to be a part of, whether our circumstances are easy and comfortable and great or our circumstances are impossible and tragic and difficult. We are able to keep following him and be faithful in the midst of both because our God does not move, our hope is not thwarted, and we have a job to do. So do not be discouraged. Sign up right now, if2021.com, and you are going to love hearing from some of my friends from last year. How many have heard this verse, read this verse, or seen this verse more than a conqueror? Will you raise your hand? Yeah, yeah, it's too, super common. Um, we'll scroll by it. We'll like it on Instagram. And if you are like, I mean, I actually posted this verse on my Instagram today too, so like no shade. But oh, but we also see it like crocheted on pillows that we throw on our couch or we pull out that mug that reminds us that we are more than a conqueror on a hard Monday morning. I'm just more than a conqueror. But my fear is that this sounds really good, great, but my fear is that it's overused. And as a byproduct of this, we have diluted the power of what Paul is preaching. See, Paul is writing to the Roman church. The Roman church, not only was the Roman church facing persecution and prosecution, but they were also feeling a, a, feeling a sense of oppression and depression on every side. And in chapter 8, Paul is reminding them and us of the power we possess because God is on our side. Now, power is something important that I want to pull out of the pages here because this word power is a concept that we're familiar with in our day and age. But during that time, to the Romans, ultimate power and authority they were very familiar with. Because during this time, they were the epicenter of power. Rome was the epicenter of power. Rome was the capital. In fact, they invented the new order of power. So much so that even today in 2020, words like capital punishment, capital law, capital land, were all derived from this understanding in Rome. And so to Romans... Power was the ultimate expression of authority. 
And to the Romans, warriors and conquerors were the heroes. And here, Paul is encouraging them that they aren't just conquerors. No, you are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. In fact, uh, this expression, more than conquerors in Greek, is from a Greek word, hypernikeo. Some translations say hypernikeo. But what this means is that it is a concise, it's to go beyond a concise victory. This prefix, hyper, Paul uses because he's saying a Essentially, okay, so there's conquerors, but this isn't good enough. I need to hype you up with a hyper verb, okay? You are going to go beyond because of the insane love of God. You are beyond a conqueror. We, as it's been said, do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. And what Paul is saying here is you have a hyper victorious love. You are empowered to be unrivaled, that there is no foe that can take you down. No, in all these things, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Ladies, I'm going to ask you a question. Is this through our expertise? Is this through our education? Is this through our waist size? Is this through our weight? Is this through our marital status? Is this through our money? Is this through our social media following? No, you are more than a conqueror in him. And a conqueror knows the source of their strength. A true conqueror knows that in the, mo in the moment of weakness, we turn to God as the source of our strength. We are more than conquerors in Him, through Him. And my fear is that we don't know Him. So we, can, we, can, we have a concept of God. We believe that we know Him, but we don't know the power of Him. So we doubt the conqueror in us. We don't know the power of him, so we doubt the conqueror in us. Who is him? Let me talk to you about him. The God who spoke and time began. The God who parted the land from the sea. The God who called night out of day. The God who causes mountains to quake and earths to shake. The God who lifts the sun and dips the moon. The God who sees our head hung low and lifts our gaze high. The God who knows our past and still grants us a future. A God who is over all and under nothing. A God who chases you and leaves the 99. A God who promises you a future and a hope. A God that will never leave you, forget you, or forsake you. A God who knows you and a God who loves you. A God who feels your pain and knows your shame. A God who sees your tears and knows your fears. A God who hung in shame and rose from the grave for our gain. Who's the God whose death has brought us life and resurrection has brought us hope now to him we are more than conquerors in him do you know him him it ain't about you we're living in a culture even in the church world that primarily views Christianity as useful rather than crucial we primarily view Christianity as useful rather than crucial. And so depending on where we are and what our social and psychological and physical and financial needs are, then we run to Christianity. And if it fails us, we find a way to meet our own needs. So the world doesn't think of Christianity as divine revelation, but human opinion. So that's why we say things like, oh, if that's your truth. 
oh, I get it, but this is my truth. Because somewhere in some alternate reality, we've created versions of truth. And Paul tells me in Galatians, there's only one truth. There's one gospel. And anything apart from that is not a truth. But we create these versions. And so the world gets more and more confused. We don't believe in the church and outside of the church that God knows our deepest need and can provide the remedy in Christ Jesus alone. The world thinks they know their own needs. But here's the thing. The problem is that sometimes in the church, we do too. Now, I love the church. I love the church. We have a church. I go to church. I love the church. However, the church can get a little off track too because the church is led by people. And we tend to form messages and create an idea that Jesus Christ and the gospel is set up to fix your life. And, and if you want to follow him, uh, it really is about making good decisions so he will bless your good decisions. And so most of our sermon series and the things that are popular in our churches today, and, and this is not self-righteous, we have to wrestle with this in our own church, they tend to address people's practical problems more than the overarching truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we love to talk about fixing marriages and getting your finances right and raising uh, great children and what does it mean to find your calling and your purpose and those things are good. But the gospel is the only thing that really changes lives. I find that we, we want to manipulate the hand of God with our righteous living. I want to say, God, I've done good. So why are you not answering my prayer request? Now, we might not say that out loud because if we're good church kind of girls and we kind of cool and we know the right thing to say and not to say, we won't say it out loud. But in our hearts, when God does not do the thing that we've been praying for, and if you're really holy, it's not just a prayer. Like you've probably added some fasting, some daily scripture reading. Because let me tell you something. When you want something from God, you can give up carbs in a minute. You call your friends. Let's have a prayer chain, prayer circle. Y'all, I'm giving up sugars this week because I need the Lord to move. You need to give up sugar anyway. But when we want something from God, we are marching trumpets out at all the worship services, coming to the altar. Every worship song, it sends us in. We are broken because we need something from him. And when he does not do it, we start to list our spiritual resume as to why he should have done what we asked. Oh, but God, but I've been at all the conferences and I go to church and I've got my journal and I even joined a group and look at all these things. And why does she have it and I don't have it? That's what happens in our minds because we have told ourselves that somehow our holy living, our righteous living is supposed to manipulate the hand of God. Like we need something extra. Listen, my kids have this mentality. My, my children have uh, come to the conclusion that every day they need a treat for something. And so we get in the car and they go, mommy, uh, do you have a treat? I'm like a treat for what? Well, can we have some candy? Can we have cookies? Can we have something that's a treat? Why? What, what did you do? So then I have to redefine for them what a treat is. A treat is a reward for unusually great behavior. Regular obedience, that just means you're safe. Okay? So we had to explain to them what a treat is. And sometimes I, I help them along when life is happening. I tell them what a treat is. And so after we have dinner and I'm like, was dinner good? Yes, I'm full. That's a treat. Dinner's a treat. Okay. Because that's, that's, that's the sacrifice I'm making. Everybody like their bed tonight? Treat. Consider yourself treated. Consider yourself treated. All right. It's raining outside. We're in the house. Is anybody wet? Treat. 
So I have to help them understand. Sometimes we have to redefine things for your children, right? But, but what's funny is God says, Jada, but you do the same thing. You want extra from me when you don't understand that just salvation from hell is a treat. That just the gospel alone is a treat. Can I show you the cross? That's a treat. If I never add another blessing, the fact that when you die, you'll be face to face with me, that's a treat. And so we have to explain for our culture and even our churches what the power of the gospel really is. That if God doesn't do another physical blessing on this earth, if you are following Christ Jesus, you can consider yourself treated because the gospel is everything, y'all. So after this amazing redeeming moment between Jesus and Peter, do you love me? Yes, do you love me? Yes, here's your purpose. Then he kind of talks about the death he's going to have to die, but he's like, hey, just keep following me. Verse 20, right after that moment, it says, Peter turned. Peter turned around. Simple. It's not a big deal. He just turned. He just turned. He had breakfast and he turned. But it is a big deal. Because he turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Now, the disciple whom Jesus loved is John. But it's kind of funny because John wrote the book of John and just referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loves. So he's that guy. Um, It's okay. And then he goes on to just make another point about himself. Oh, also the one who leaned up against him at supper. (laughs) Like John, John's also really close to Jesus. John also made a point to make sure we knew that he beat Peter to the grave. So they have a little brotherly competition, I'm sure. And Peter, in this amazing, epic moment with Jesus, right after that, as they're on their way back to the other brothers, Peter turns around and he looks at John. And he says to Jesus, he said, hey, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And that got me the other day. Because here he is, Jesus is doing a work in him. He's moving through him. He's redeeming things in his life. He's talking to him about personal things. And right in this moment, after this epic moment, he turns around and gets so distracted by what Jesus might be doing in John's life that he actually misses it. He misses what Jesus is doing in his life. Now, how do I know that? I don't know what happened. Look at the next verse. It says, then the saying spread among the brothers. Now, this is what made me laugh. Literally, a rumor spread in the Bible, just like rumor spread today. And listen to what happened. They had to clear up a rumor. It says, the disciple, it spread among the brothers that this disciple was not going to die. Yet, Jesus did not say to him that he wasn't going to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? It's like, I didn't say that. He didn't say that. You missed it. You missed it. And besides, why is, why is that what we're talking about? Why are we talking about what might happen in John's life instead of talking about what just happened in your own life with what Jesus is doing in your heart? What are we missing that God is wanting to do right now because we're turning and looking at what he's doing in everybody else's life? Now that turn might look different for everybody. That turn might literally be looking at another person. 
and comparing what their outcome has been versus yours, what their life has been versus yours. Maybe it's turning to Instagram. Maybe it's turning in the wrong direction. Maybe it's turning to the past. What is that turn that you're getting so distracted by that you're missing? Wow, God, you have me in this space. You're speaking something to my heart. You're redeeming all that was lost. You're covering everything from the past. You're building my testimony. What are we missing in that moment? Because the word says there is power in our testimony. Those words, those words, the testimony, what Jesus does in us, that's going to bring the dead to life. That's gonna bring the lost to found. It says even in the Bible that sometimes Jesus would leave a town and more people would get to know him because of the stories and the testimonies that the people would tell. And so I say that to say when we're going back from if, when we're going back from different places we've been to, when we're going back from a moment with Jesus, are we so distracted by what we turn to in the meantime to share what God did in that moment? I don't want to miss that moment, God. I don't want to miss that moment. I want to hear what you're saying to me. I want to get it. And clearly Peter got it because he went on to live an amazing ministry. And here's the thing, so did John. Peter wrote a few books and so did John. And they both did it because they both individually took their eyes off each other and started following Jesus. What is it to you? What is it to you that they got that? That their life looks like that? That this is happening for them? God, I'm gonna follow you because you said follow you. I'm gonna follow you because I know you have a plan for my life. I'm gonna follow you because I trust you. I'm gonna follow you because I want your will to be done over my own. It doesn't matter what it looks like in anybody else's life. I don't wanna miss it. Okay, wasn't that amazing? Now, go sign up. What are you waiting for? If 20 21.com. Go sign up right now. It's March 5th and 6th. Tell your people, send a little text, tell them we cannot miss this. We've got to be a part of it. It is going to be some of the most incredible Bible teaching and conversations, and it's all coming straight to your living room. So gather your people, however you feel comfortable, and do not miss this. March 5th and 6th.